Today's TribCast is presented by the LBJ School's Executive Masters in Public Leadership. Take your career forward. Designed for working professionals. Learn more at empl.lbj.utexas.edu. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, I'm gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas talking. Hey there, this is Mark McKinnon with Hill and Knowlton Strategies. I'm on the road most of these days producing The Circus for Showtime. It's a real-time weekly documentary series on the presidential election. But every time I think things can't get any more interesting or entertaining on the national level, I just check in with the Texas Tribune and discover how bizarre the politics are back home in Texas. So now to tell us all about the crazy circus in Texas, here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the third week of May. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. What's up? That was really... um... Sort of joined by him. (laughs) He's here. He's sort of here. (laughs) Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And reporter Patrick Svitek. Hello. I'm, I'm hoping that you'll replace me on this podcast at some point. Personally. I mean, I keep trying every week, but, you know, your feelings get hurt. I keep hurts. showing back up. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Bad penny. All right, well, let's start with a rundown of uh, some of the big runoffs that are coming up. What, why do you look so alarmed? I'm, just, well, I'm not alarmed. <laughs> we, I, have I election, we have an election next no, week. No, I was thinking, suddenly oh, I went, there is there going to be another TribCast before the runoffs? And the answer no. is no. That's why we're doing The people this. at the Republican convention didn't know there were runoffs. I'm really, I'm really a programming genius here. You are great. Excellent. Job. Yeah. All right. Okay. So next week. Why don't each of you tell us about a one key runoff that that the trip is monitoring? Who, who you want to go first? Patrick, because he's the most eloquent. Because Patrick's the only that. one who knows what he's um, talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so there are. You, you really have been. You're like the favorite son, aren't you? At the uh, moment. Believe me. Yes. Um, Golden child. Look at the choices. So Senate District One. He's also he's kind of a suck up. Also. <laughs> we have. We have a runoff between Brian Hughes and David Simpson, uh, both members of the lower chamber looking for a promotion to the upper chamber. Um, this David's sounds intestinal <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> what, what are they, British? What the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> it's the upper and lower chamber. Yeah, it's, it's, well, yeah. technically. A little more accent, This is journo speak. Come you know, on. refers yeah. to them as the upper and lower chamber? Svitek. R- no, all else. reporters. Oh, really? Is Brian Hughes walking around going, I'm running for the upper chamber? I just no, like he's reporter. not a reporter. Gordon yeah. Barry would smack him in the face if he did that. Uh, would you please let Patrick continue? So both members, both members of the Texas House looking for a promotion to the Texas Senate. Uh, David Simpson uh, barely made the run off. Uh, Brian Hughes in, in, the, in the runoff has been the heavy favorite, both in terms of uh, kind of institutional conservative support and uh, money. He's far outraised uh, Simpson and uh, I believe spent more as well based on the, the reports that came out just within the past few days. Um, really, you know, I think the, the themes have not been too pronounced in some ways in terms of the contrast that they're driving. Both very conservative uh, lawmakers. Simpson obviously has a bit, bit more of a kind of proudly independent streak. Um, a little more of a libertarian streak. Wants to um, legalize weed. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the endorsements in this— you don't, you don't live in that district. You can't <laughs> vote for them. Stop smiling. Shit. I think the, the endorsements in this, this race have been interesting from the beginning. If you recall, all the way back, this is one of those rare primaries where Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick kind of broke his own uh, prohibition on getting involved in primaries and got in the race and endorsed Brian Hughes very early on, from what I could recall. Rick Perry has endorsed Brian Hughes. Uh, there have been some several other big-name legislators and, and, I believe, statewide officials as well who've endorsed Brian Hughes. 
Um, not that these are themes that are necessarily driving the race, but I think it's been interesting to see some of the, the news of the day that the two candidates have, have broken on. I think there was a recent debate or recent debates where Simpson kind of pushed back on this, you know, statewide bathroom bill, you know, brouhaha. He doesn't want the government to be the bathroom police, doesn't believe that's the role for state government. It's consistent, by the way. Yeah. Who, who was uh, the big voice against the TSA? Yeah. Right. Or initially Simpson. Simpson right. doesn't yeah. like the idea of authority up in your business. Yeah, right. and right. S- Simpson's been the rare, as far as I know, also the rare state lawmaker to come out and say, if I were Ken Paxton with all these uh, legal problems, I would resign. Um, so I think it's been interesting to see, at least, I don't know if those issues are going to you know, drive the outcome on the Tuesday, base. but yeah. it's still interesting to see Simpson and, and Hughes split on those two big issues he's, that have been dominating. He's got some interesting endorsements, too. Um, you know, Connie Burton came to his side. Uh, Jonathan Sticky. Stickland came to his side. I think Julie McCarthy's in there. I don't know where Joanne Fleming landed in this You think Julia McCarty is for Simpson? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Did you see the fight the other day that broke out between Tom Pawkin or among Tom oh, Pawkin, yes. and Michael Berry. Sullivan, Jordan Berry, and Travis McCormick over this? Mm-hmm. So apparently Tom Pawkin was offended by, among other things, Jordan Berry's reference to him as dude. <laughs> and if you know Tom Pawkin, Tom Pawkin is many things. Dude is not one of them. However, <laughs> so they got into this whole thing about Pawkins saying nice things about Simpson. Barry represents Hughes. McCormick and Barry work together. And then Michael Sullivan decided to come in over the top and accused <laughs> Pawkin of supporting Simpson because Simpson had supported Pawkins, you know, whatever he described it as, you know, depressing, anger-filled race for governor. <laughs> Sullivan started decided to take his knuckle and rub it right into the Yikes. eye socket of Tom Pawkin. It was actually kind of funny to see, and it's like, you know, people are paying attention to this race. On Twitter. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Those of us who yeah, spend our entire lives small, in small groups of four right. Republicans right. at yeah. a time, right? Yeah. Um, and does David Simpson get to go back to the House? No, does, no, no, no. he's done. He's done, for sure. He right. done. They're yep. both up or out races. Right. Got it. All right. Who's up next? Ross. I'll take Susie oh. King and Don Buckingham, Buckingham if you want. So this is Senate go District 24 to replace Troy Frazier, a district that stretches all the way from... Uh, Abilene, Taylor, Taylor County, County right. to the north, down to Kerr County, Kerrville. Uh, it covers a portion of North Austin, does it not? And also the Hill Country. And goes over to Bell County. Goes over to Bell County. Right. Um, <laughs> King, I thought King was not going to make the runoff. So I am hardly the authority on this race, at least going back. Nobody to in the, the race thought King was going to make the I runoff. I did not think King was going to make the runoff. King is an interesting uh, person, uh, not viewed by the grassroots, fairly or unfairly, she would say unfairly, not viewed by the grassroots as one of them. Um, has the endorsement of Jimmy Don Acock, the retiring chair of the Public Education Committee, who represents Colleen, uh, you know, has a lot of uh, endorsements from up in her part of the district in Abilene. Don Buckingham, who's an, who's an eye doctor and is a principal in an eye, in a, 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 an eye practice. Um, uh, Rick Perry has endorsed. Charles Schwartner has endorsed. Don Huffines has endorsed. Well, Huffines um, is uh, Matt Langston, who got Huffines, Huffines into the Senate, is running her race. also right? running her, mm-hmm. her race. Right. Uh, King finished first in the first round. Uh, Buckingham finished in second. They were a few points apart. It wasn't a, you know like the Wayne. It wasn't like the um, some of the House runoffs where you had somebody who was clearly right. the front runner and was in the, virtually 50 percent but didn't get there. Um, you know, I've talked to people in the grassroots who look at this race and they go, meh. You know, Dan, I mean, I think it's very telling that Dan Patrick, to your point, Patrick, uh, 
that Dan Patrick got into the Brian Hughes race and did not get into this race, has right. not endorsed in this race. If there were somebody who Dan Patrick considered to be a Dan Patrick-style conservative, you better believe Dan Patrick would be all over this race. Yep. But generally speaking, grassroots folks, when I have asked them about this privately, they kind of go, meh. I'm not really sure that I like either person in this race. We did interview Don Buckingham the other week. And Dawn Buckingham uh, put herself out, I thought, as a conservative. She is branding herself in that way, sees that that's the opportunity for her in this in this runoff. Mm -hmm. Every runoff is going to ultimately be about turnout. Mm -hmm. How many people are going to come out? And who comes out? What and kind who, of people? And, and, and you know, out? it's going to be a much lower turnout affair than the March you primary because we don't have a presidential race overlay in this, and you, all the Trumpies right. coming out. You can see people. in the Simpson. Hughes race, not to be unfair to Simpson here, but Hughes is viewed as the doctrinaire movement conservative in this race, right? I think Simpson's by, yeah, a conventional little bit, standards, Simpson sure. is quirky, you know. You don't ever really know exactly how he's going to come well, out on a particular if, issue. If the base is coming out, like right. the hardcore, like who votes in the runoff, right. it's like— They're going to vote for it, Hughes. It's like a nugget of a nugget, right? right? right. Who's going to vote in the base? It's probably more the Hughes people, mm -hmm. my gut tells me. I don't know what the hell to make of this race in right. Sanders well, you know, Hughes told me on the floor of the House before this race, you know, when we were all still and they were all still speculating about whether Kevin Altife would stay in the Senate or not, I asked Hughes, I said, are you interested in running for that race? And he said, yeah, I probably am. I wouldn't have been. And I would have told you, in fact, that David Simpson would walk away with it until he did the marijuana thing and said that, you know, he thought legalizing marijuana was probably a good idea. Um, he said, you know, when he did that, you know, I that um, – I think that beats him in the district. Because they think they could just make him seem a little weird. Well, it's just not something that's popular in that district, right. you know, in, in Hughes' estimation. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's pursued it some. I don't know that that's been a big issue in the campaign, though. I don't think so. I mean, I know there, you know, I remember way back when the race started, there was like a fundraising email that may have mentioned, you know, a local news report that talked about how it become how, how it had become a liability. Mm -hmm. I think maybe there have been some law enforcement groups that have lined up uh, behind Hughes. But I Based on what I've seen, you know, from, from the limited view I have in Austin, I haven't seen it flare up as a major issue. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. the Hughes people have been talking around this issue from the very beginning, thinking that it was a vulnerability for Simpson. I don't know whether that's asserted or right. proven. Sure. Yeah. Ross, why don't you take us to the Railroad Commission? So the Railroad Commission had enough people in the first round that neither Gary Gates nor Wayne Christian, who are both in the runoff, broke 30 percent. Gates finished first with 28-4, and, and um, Christian was back at 20%. Christian lost a race for Railroad Commission two years ago to Ryan Sitton, and there's been sort of a uh, persistent idea that Sitton was helping whoever was not Wayne Christian in this race. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a low-name race. You know, they were both walking around the Republican convention in Dallas and not drawing crowds. I mean, you know, uh, we found out a fun fact about Wayne Christian. I've known Wayne Christian for 20 years and didn't know he was in a gospel group, uh, but he got the he got the band back together and sang in his gospel quartet at one of the Fun, uh, fundraisers. One of the right? receptions yeah. right at the <laughs> convention. Uh, kind of weird. Uh, Gary Gates has been fighting a an old uh, child protective services charge for years that you know he um, mistreated a foster child in his care. He says it was a misunderstanding. It's not really clear exactly what happened, but it's been a big issue in the race. Um, and um, Wayne And Christian's to be clear, he was never, you know, like charged with anything. He was never charged. Right. It's right. a big issue yeah. in the race in part because the the attack mm -hmm. Twitter account run by the Christian people who, by the way, has also been banging it up, right? Have, you know, which right. we assume we assume it's by the Christian people. Right. 
who, by the way, happen to also be nope. Fuse people. Who, who else is interested? Right. right. Yeah. right. Have, been pushing, have been pushing this <laughs> stuff out. And also, this is a race in which not so much in the Hughes-Simpson race really, and not in the Buckingham King race, the um, grassroots, the Sullivan uh, Empower, those guys are all in for Christian. Right. And they do not like Gates. A yeah. bunch of former right. legislators and current legislators are for Gates. Jim Keffer and some other folks like that. Right. Uh, I saw Jim, Jim Keffer, you know, responded to one of the stories we had posted right. uh, on Twitter. Well, and in fact, so. the Christian people are making that an issue. They're right. saying that Gary Gates is basically a wholly owned subsidiary of Jim Keffer. Mm-hmm. It, you They're know. trying to make this a surrogate race for Keffer, who it, they don't like. You, right. And Gates, to me, is just an interesting uh, political figure. I mean, he's run like for office six race? times. Yeah, six right? times, yeah. And uh, tons of, he and his wife really took in, you know, like tons of very troubled foster yeah, kids. Right. Um, I mean, I wrote about it when that case first originally bubbled up. But, you know, uh, there are accusations. Christian's camp, I guess, has made accusations of him being like a slumlord, right? I mean, that's right. the latest. Yeah, he's, he's had some low-income apartment housing. And, he's you know. largely self-funded his campaigns, right? right? Very wealthy individual. He's got a bunch of debt campaign on before right. this was for the the seat in, in the state senate seat in Brenham that Lois Colcourse right. uh, ultimately won. And I just wonder, as I watch this play out, you know, sometimes you run for state office to build up your name ID. I wonder if after six runs, Gary Gates just has kind of a negative name ID. Like, that's the well, guy. This is the first statewide race. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe True. negative, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah, negative yeah, yeah. in the home, home Exactly. Spots, but. but at least among the, you know, the, the chattering class, people know who Gary Gates is. I'm and just, I wonder how much they look at him with. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I, I'm interested in, in, in why Wayne Christian lost last time. I thought Wayne Christian was going to win in 2014. Right. Well, he, but you know, he'd lost a congressional race, and you know, he's mm. he's he's been a relatively weak candidate, except in the in the legislative races that he's won. Don't don't you remember though that coming out of that first round of the primaries in 2014, it was supposed to be Patrick Paxton, Miller, and Christian, and everyone mm-hmm. thought it was effectively like a slate, and then Ryan Sitton beat. Christian and everybody was surprised. I just kind of well, wonder. Ryan Sitton had all of that oil and gas experience. I mean, right. w- this seems to me more like and a I think he a, was kind the, of job where that stuff definitely matters think, versus. I'd just have to your go politics. back and look. I think he was the slate card candidate. Yeah, right. I thought so too. Sitton. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. Um, I just I just wonder about this. Do you have a sense? Do you have a sense? It's a coin toss. I, you know, I I you know, if you looked at the first round and the second round. Um, if that's an indication at all, uh, Gates finished in front. He spends a lot of money on mail, has spent a lot of money on mail in this thing. Um, I don't think people know who these candidates are and know what the differentiation is. So it may be one of those races where you go in and you say, oh, that's a pretty name on paper. You know, it's Remember we thought Wayne Christian was a great ballot name? It right? is a great name. It would name. only be a better ballot name if it were Jesus Christian. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that from the 2014 campaign? Yeah. How'd that work for you? <laughs> yeah. It turned out not so well. Right. Yeah. Well, my favorite race uh, is the SBOE race between uh, Mary Lou Bruner and Kevin Ellis. Mary Lou Bruner is the candidate who, I guess her claim to fame at this point, is a series of Facebook posts, one where she uh, accused uh, Obama of being a uh, homosexual prostitute in his youth in order to raise money for a drug habit, uh, and the other accused the Democratic Party of assassinating JFK. Despite some of these maybe um, unusual beliefs, she who's, is who's she, teaching your kindergartners. Right, she's the <laughs> she appears to be far and away the front runner, and you know the Tea Party folks are really um, many of them are are in her corner. Although she's made some comments that at least one Tea Party group has now come out and said, hmm, we're a little concerned that maybe those comments aren't accurate. <laughs> these uh, about superintendents and you know um, and, substitute, stuff. and substitute <laughs> teachers is not you're right. Well, they've disavowed that stuff too. But I mean, this is to me this is a fascinating race because she's very likely to win. 
It's it's one of those races where voters are electing somebody they would not pass out of an interview. This was a job with an interview in it, and you had to interview them and say, "This is the candidate. This is the candidate. Um, this is this one wouldn't pass." And you know the name looks better on a ballot, or the right groups have endorsed it, or the other person you know didn't check a box this that they were supposed to check. To it's na- just it's it's a weird race. Nature of turnout. Yep. Like right. who co- who comes out? Right. Does anybody care? This I, guy. This I guy's this name has a lot of support, though. So, so let me. This, this the guy she's running against Kevin is Ellis. named Kevin Ellis, and it's a weird spelling. K e v e n. K e v e n. Right. Do people look at it and go? Uh, you know, if, if your Harry, race is down Harry to what's your Lee name? Bruner is like a nice. If your race American. is you down to what your name looks name. like on paper, you're probably in trouble. Yeah, but I think I mean, if you show up for this runoff, you know about this. She finished race. In first in the runoff. She in finished the first in first party. in the runoff, almost won outright. Yep. Um, and you know, Kevin Ellis is basically just hoping this woman's unusual beliefs. You know, I, I think she she's really running this sort of back to basics campaign. She wants schools to be focused on cursive and multiplication tables. I was just, do schools still teach cursive? By the way, you, those of you with I kids. I thought they gave up after me. Like, they looked at that and said, this is helpless. Forget <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. So anyway, well, I just think this is She got 48-5 in the first round. Yeah. You know, she's All right. So she's Bud Kennedy wrote a column in the Star-Telegram today saying, really, East Texas, is this the best we can do? Which tells me she's going to win. Yep. Well, and we posted <laughs> no a story about to it. No offense Bud Kennedy. Know, these Northeast Texas folks have been <laughs> passing around our story saying, Texas Tribune, stay out of Northeast Texas. You don't right. know anything about what we're up to in Northeast Texas. What does Texas. that mean? That's well, like Jew-run media, get off of my land? What a, does that mean? It's also, it's also well, it's you know, it's a... It's a local it's like people thing. People with shotguns walk and rocking around. chairs. You know, it's what also got mean? an overlay race. It's behind the Simpson, uh, yeah, the Simpson and um, Hughes race. Right. So you know that's going to generate some turnout in the same way that the twenty four race, the SD twenty four race, overlaps a congressional race that's pretty hot in Lubbock and Abilene, and and that could affect turnout there. But you know, this Bruner race. The same people that go out and vote for Brian Hughes and David Simpson. I wonder, by the way, that's a lub- the, I wonder if Susan King would have been better off if the second candidate in the runoff in the CD19 race, the congressional district 19 race, had been the Abilene candidate as opposed to two Lubbock candidates. I wonder if Abilene's going to really give a crap about the congressional race and if turnout would be lower as a result of that. That's Good a point. Yeah. There, I mean, we know the turnout's going to be low on runoff day. We just know it. Yep. Well, I mean, we also know the SBOE is, it, it, as if it wasn't catnip enough, it's going to be even. And then there are two additional better. races that we haven't talked about that maybe we're not going to talk about. The um, Miller-Biederman race down in. Uh, you just like saying Biederman. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Down in the corridor between Austin and San Antonio. Which is now turning on very, very ugly divorce. Well, I, uh, Stickland told me the other day, I asked him if, you know, Steve Hotze, the. Houston, He's endorsed in that race, right? Well, so Steve Hotze, who is the uh, the Houston kingmaker among conservatives right right had endorsed backed Biederman off, right? and then backed off of Biederman and switched to Miller I didn't see that according to Jonathan Stickland who had been a big Biederman guy and was campaigning for Biederman I asked him well are you going to join Hotze and and switch over to Biederman uh, to, uh, to Miller he said no actually Hotze has switched back to Biederman hmm. it's like yeah, what's up with that and can... then the Briscoe Kane Wayne Smith race you notice that Greg Abbott did one of his non-endorsement endorsements in the Wayne Smith race where he... I think Wayne Smith is a guy right. yeah does that yeah, mean right. you're endorsing him no right. does that mean you're supporting him no one of our Facebook viewers uh, Dahlia Brown asked does the advertising lawsuit hurt Briscoe Kane's race uh probably not um you know the the court said this is a case that involves whether you can use the video shot in the legislature and the court said, for now, yeah, you can use it. So Briscoe Kane can use that. Mm-hmm. Stuff Does that, that have an implication for media organizations that tape the 
or broadcast the Let's feed see. of the legislature. Who no, the, want, the issue here clips. is there's there's a thing. Please in don't the, give them any ideas. There's a thing in statute that basically says you can't use the video shot in the House and the Senate for commercial purposes. And and even right. the people who wrote that back in the day said, I don't know if this had passed through a court, mm-hmm. but for now it's in the law. And right now it's in front of a court, and the court's first blush look at it was, no, it's free speech, mm-hmm. and it's public property. Yeah. So he, Briscoe Cain can go ahead and, and take advantage of that today, right? right? Yeah, he can use mm-hmm. it. Didn't Briscoe Cain run close to 50% against Smith? He, I know he was the one. I thought he came there, close. There are three um, legislators who are in runoffs, and Wayne Smith is the only one who entered his runoff in second place. Yeah, I mm-hmm. believe Kane got somewhere in the upper 40s. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to switch gears and talk about uh, the school finance ruling this week. Um, Ross, do you want to give us the sort of lowdown on what the the state's high court said? Uh, yeah, the court said um, nothing to see here. Um, you know, we had this big, long, years-long a case brought by something like 600 of the uh, thousand or so school districts in the state. There's 1,227 school districts, including charters. More than half of them brought this lawsuit and said that the school finance system is so out of balance and so messed up that it's become unconstitutional again and the courts need to step in. A district court here in Austin agreed with that. The legislature came in and made some changes. That court had another set of hearings, issued another ruling that also that still maintained it was unconstitutional. All that went to the Texas Supreme Court. They argued in September, and we've been waiting ever since. And everybody, you know, kind of across the political spectrum has been saying, we just need to find out what the court thinks is unconstitutional and how much that's going to cost. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard almost nobody say, we don't think you know, that. it's going to be yeah. it's going to be constitutional. Everything's fine here. But the court came in, Don Willett, in a 100-page decision, um, basically said, this system is so screwed up. It's a giant mess. I think he said, quote, undeniably imperfect. Right. Um, it's, it's a giant mess, uh, but it's constitutional. So, it's a constitutional mess. Right. So he said, you know, they haven't, they haven't broken, um, you know, they haven't, they haven't gone outside the bounds. So the question now going forward is whether a court decision that says everything's fine here. Well, not everything's fine here. I mean, they well, said it needs top every, to bottom reform. Everything but the, sucks. But it just doesn't suck well, enough. Got, it's just the not, gun well, pointed at your head is not loaded. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the legislature doesn't have that outside incentive that it's always used to change, to make right. big reforms in, in school finance. And the question now going forward is whether you can find the legislative will without a ruling from the court. You can't. I mean, I, I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, right. I, I mean, right. I think the legislature in a lot of ways, I think they wanted the Supreme Court to give oh, them no. some strong direction. And instead, the Supreme Court said, this is back on you. You know, I mean, so it, this ball just keeps getting passed back and forth between right. the legislature and the court. And, you know, this imperfect system remains. The out- and poor Jimmy Don Acock up in Colleen, who's leaving, put a great Facebook post up on well, right. on the day after the or the day of the ruling saying, right. you know, you guys, I suspected that, you know, helping a cow give birth was easier than fixing school <laughs> finance. And it turns out it was. Well, he also and, said and, that. And he said, you is know, is it I hard try- for a cow I, to give birth? I don't know. I just was making a veterinarian oh. joke. I, I tried. Evan Smith, veterinarian. There you go. Visualize I, I, this. I do look like right. the kind of person who would have witnessed a cow birth. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, basically, I tried. Maybe a cow water birth. I tried when I introduced a bill that would have addressed this, and I had to pull the bill down. And now Rick Galindo, who's running for re-election in San Antonio, right. said he's going to bring back the ACOC bill. What ACOC said in this post, though, was that you know there's no way you're going to get a school finance solution until you get the all of the various factions of the education community, you know, together and 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 running in the same direction. The lieutenant governor is not going to do any material school finance 
work without some school choice legislation attached to it right. like a barnacle on the side That's of the point. boat. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and he's tried to make a big issue or is trying to make a big issue now with some success of um, property tax reform. And the biggest component of property taxes is school finance. If you cut property taxes, you cut the money available for schools discuss. I mean, it's gonna. It's a. It's a train wreck. Well, Evan, you sat down with the new education commissioner this week. What? I did. Yes, you did. What was his uh, his stance on this ruling? Well, the, the the interestingly, the commissioner of education, who was formerly a, an outspoken member of the Dallas Independent uh, School District Board, In has become board. a somewhat yeah. inspoken right. <laughs> uh, commissioner of education. Right. You know, his position, convenient but also probably undeniably true is, as Commissioner of Education, I'm not really in a position to have a point of view about this. He said, from a school he, finance he standpoint... He ducked under his desk. Even though oh he previously gosh. had a point of view Well, you know, so one of the... Th- we start, on the school finance question, we started the conversation yesterday by pointing out that he was a member of the DISD board at the time that the DISD board joined... He looked like he voted loved the, yeah. to join the suit While you were asking him this question and pointing that out, he, looked, he was loving him some Evan right. Smith right you there. You know... Um, Look, his position is, yes, the, I, I think it's better for the legislature to deal with this, and I think the ledge should deal with it, and the courts are right to not be in it, and it's better for that, and can't we talk about something else? They're, like like bathrooms, for right. example. Which, yeah. by the way, I also can't talk about because the attorney general is my lawyer, and this now is in litigation. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. But I actually I do want to ask talk about that either. But I, I want to ask about his response on this, on the bathroom issue. So, Evan, you asked him specifically, you know, the Fort Worth superintendent has, you know, has this stance on transgender use of bathrooms in Texas, you you know, where do you come down on this? And he basically said, quote, last time I checked, it was a free country. Well, le- and let me so l- l- let yeah. me let me put that in but context. But free so, for who? So we had talked before the <laughs> before the bathroom conversation yesterday. We talked about the decision of the voters of McKinney to approve two hundred twenty million dollars in bonds to pay for, among other things, a sixty three million dollar football stadium. This was big national news last week, right around the time of the school finance lawsuit. My favorite statistic here. The is ruling the- was announced. Ross's favorite stat, as he was told, was that for the sixty three million dollars that the voters of McKinney approved for the football stadium, you could buy a four year college education for every student at McKinney High School. Right for the right. money that's being mm-hmm. used to buy right. the football stadium. Yeah. Now this is not the only sixty million dollar plus football stadium in Texas. We had the Allen Football Stadium of a couple of years ago. There's one that's going to be which finished. is still falling apart, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. And then gonna, apparently they didn't spend enough. Right. Right. They they went with a cheap contractor. Right. And then and then there's a, a sixty two and a half million dollar stadium in Katy that's going to be right. open next year. And so I pointed out to the commissioner that the optics of on the one hand the school district saying we don't have enough money to do what we need to do and their hands are out right alongside school districts and voters approving $60 million right. plus football stadiums was a little weird. And he said, look, if I had been on the school board in Dallas at the time that this happened and it were up to me, I would not support a $60 million stadium, but I believe in local control. This is a local control decision. And I said, well, if that's the case, if you believe in local control, why is it okay for the lieutenant governor to call for the superintendent of the Fort Worth School District to resign when that school district superintendent does not work for the lieutenant governor? Shouldn't that apply that even if you don't like the decision, that's a local control decision. He said, last time I checked, it's a free country, meaning Dan it's Patrick free can for say Dan whatever Patrick. he wants, right. whether he has purview over the guy's employment or, or not. But but if he supports local control, I mean, the, again, I, I don't think the takeaway here is we know where he comes down. Emily, I'm old enough to remember that when local control meant that the locals controlled things. I, I'm old we, enough to remember when Evan wouldn't pull age on anybody. Right, exactly. <laughs> if I'm old enough, Ross is like the crypt keeper. I completely agree. So, so I, got, I got a note yeah. from Jay Leeson, who runs a radio program out in Lubbock, who says that runoff 
turnout is higher in Lubbock and Abilene for the first two early voting days than they were in the first two early voting days of the primary. So why do you think? Why do you think well, that that's is? That, that's that CD19 race. So, so contrary so to the idea that Abilene would be, you know, talk to the hand on the right. runoff. For right, Congress, might, they're right. still actually well. That, so and, Taylor County's turning out. That's well, good for and King. Taylor County right. is in fact the biggest area of that district, right. is it not? Highest right. population. It's, yeah, it's marginally better, bigger than than Bell County, right? Well, we have a couple of questions from our Facebook Live audience <laughs> on this subject that I want to get to. Uh, first is David Brockman asks um, Dan Patrick says he's been shouted down by people opposed to his bathroom, um, the, the transgender bathroom issue, uh, but he seems to have no hurdles to speaking his mind. What's with the shouted down? Is Megan, Dan Megan Kelly? <laughs> Did she shout him down? Was Not he referring really. to yeah. Megyn Kelly? I don't think he was. They had a contentious yeah. exchange. I don't know if she shouted him down. No, I don't he didn't so end up, you know, coming off looking. Who would have believed that Megyn Kelly would have done a tougher <laughs> interview with Dan Patrick than Donald Trump? Right. So, yeah. any, so have we seen him being shouted down on this issue? Or no. yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Getting... That that may just be some bluster from him that he's yep. you know kind of going against the the, the grain here. Yep. Um, G- generally speaking, I'm not citing the lieutenant governor specifically or this issue specifically. <laughs> generally speaking, it has become fashionable to say when dealing with matters that relate to social issues. <laughs> I am being persecuted by the other side without proof of such persecution. Oh, well, it's like right. Ken Paxton releasing that long, that video saying, you know, I'm being prosecuted because I'm a Christian. The lieutenant governor, let's give the lieutenant governor credit. Unlike some statewide elected officials, the lieutenant governor is not conducting this fight on Newsmax and Breitbart. The <laughs> lieutenant governor is talking to like two guys singing over a garbage can on fire on a street corner. He is going to every single possible place to talk about this, including a lot of places that are unfriendly. Mm-hmm. And that is a rare thing these days for a statewide elected official. This is Tom Joad. Wherever there's a microphone, I'll be there. Are there bums? Can I go talk to bums? I'm coming. But uh, back to Ken Paxson for a second. Speaking of those microphones, you know, since his transition in staff, you've seen he's been all over the place. It's like every day I'm getting a press release about him giving remarks publicly. Well, it's not like he's gone on The View or Chris Hayes. Well, but he has, they've, they've ramped up their public Look, um, face um, I'm, quite I'm, a bit. I've got my, you know, my bib on with a knife and a fork, hoping he comes to the Tribune Festival. I right. want to see him out in public talking about his work as Attorney General. That was I a public challenge. Not a challenge. It was an invitation. Uh, all right. One more question. Uh, Travis Cooper asks, are the House and Senate on the same page on school finance, or is this going to be a Strauss-Patrick showdown? Are the House and the Senate on the same page on anything? On Ever, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I doubt it. I mean, you know, the Senate's more conservative than the House, and, you know, the Republicans in the Senate are in some ways even more conservative than the Republicans in the House. I don't think that, you know, school finance usually is not a partisan issue as much as it is a break between here are where the urban districts are, here's where the suburban districts are, here's where the rural districts are, here's how the taxes break down, here's how the fight breaks out. And then there are also issues about, you know, the schools are better where there are wealthier people and poorer where there are poorer people. And a lot of that doesn't have anything to do with party lines. You know, we know who the Senate education chairman is right now. It's uh, Larry Taylor, and we have no reason to think that he won't be chairman next time. ACOC is retiring. So for the moment, the House and the Senate aren't in the same place. But when Joe Strauss appoints Tony Tinderholt to be the chair of public education, they'll be perfectly aligned. <laughs> Terrific. All right. Well, uh, it would be be terrific. It would be terrific. Yes. Um, If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. You can also sign up for Tribcast Alerts at texastribune.org. Tell them to buy tickets to the Tribune Festival. Evan would also like you to buy tickets to the Tribune Festival. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. On behalf of Evan, Ross, Patrick, our producers, Todd and Rodney, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking.
And that was like Hamada, 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 Hamada. 